I invite you to join me in your Westover app if you would like to right now or in your Bible in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. I, I know this is the weekend after Thanksgiving, but I want to speak on Thanksgiving. And I'm speaking on Thanksgiving this weekend actually intentionally after Thanksgiving because most of us think Thanksgiving is over. And I wanted to do a Thanksgiving message after Thanksgiving because I want to push back on the idea that Thanksgiving is over. Now, on the calendar, Thanksgiving is the fourth Thursday in November. But for a Christ follower, Thanksgiving is every day. Would you agree with me? Every day should be a day of Thanksgiving. A few years ago, Denise and I were in Louisiana. We were at a pastor's conference. We were staying at a hotel, and the, the elevator we discovered in the hotel was malfunctioning. It was still working, but it was actually malfunctioning. The control panel, it has all the buttons when you press it, first floor, second floor, third floor, et cetera. Uh, now, we were staying on the fifth floor, but what, what happened with this elevator, no matter, no matter which buttons were pushed, the elevator only went to the floor of the first button pushed. That means if you got in and somebody on the third floor pushed the button, it doesn't matter if somebody on the second, fourth, fifth pushed, it doesn't matter. It, the lights would light up, indicating that floor uh, was registered uh, to go when the elevator moved. But it would move past that and would go to the first floor of the button that was pushed. Then it would go all the way back down, zero out, and whoever pushed the button again, that's the floor it would go to. Huh. I'd like to suggest that some of us live our life like a malfunctioning elevator. What do you mean by that? Some of us, something pushes your button. Somebody pushes your button. And there is an emotion, there is an experience that kind of characterizes your life. And it doesn't matter what you go through, you go to the same experience. If it's a work experience, if it's an in-law experience, if it's a family experience, if it's a personal experience, you go to one floor, one emotion all the time. That emotion, that floor, I'll call it, could be anger. That, that, that floor could be depression. That floor could feel like uh, rejection. And no matter what happens... What the experience is, you go to that same floor, that same emotion all the time. You may push other buttons, other people. You may try things, but it seems like you're always in the same vein. In other words, that you're sad. And, and you're sad when you don't get invited to the party. But when you go, you're still sad because somebody didn't talk to you. Or it didn't turn out the way you hoped, and you didn't meet the right person. You're saying every, uh, every time you do something, it's always the same emotion over and over again. One of the fathers of psychology, Abraham Maslow, said, I quote, When all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Hmm. What is he saying? He's saying when you're mad, everything makes you mad. When you're depressed, everything depresses you. When you're upset, everything upsets you. And are you Mr. and Mrs. Average today living in Sadville, USA at the corner of Down and Out? And no matter what happens in life, it wasn't enough. It wasn't good enough. It wasn't satisfying enough. And your elevator is always going, if you please, to the same floor, the same experience in life. 
Now, now experts tell us there are four primary emotions that people experience. Now, I know there are myriad of emotions, but there are four primary. They're the color wheel, if you please, of all emotions. And those emotions are happy, sad, fear, and anger. And all emotions, they tell us that we feel, are really a derivative of one of these four emotions. For example, happy, whether it's celebration or glee or, uh, or happiness or joy or rejoicing. Well, whatever it is, it's from that one emotion of happiness. Sad, sad has many different manifestations. It could be melancholy. It could be dissatisfaction. could be discontentment could be depression, but it's all they tell us from that one emotion of sad. All of those feelings come from that one primary emotion. Uh, fear, uh, the f- fear is intimidation. So sometimes it's withdrawal because of the fear of rejection. So that withdrawal is, is a product of that one primary emotion. Another one is anger. Is, is anger. Anger, sense of disgust, rage, uh, uh, spite, uh, hate, or etc. That all comes, they tell us, from one primary emotion, and is anger. Now, some of you said that you're not angry, you're hangry. But I, I, I've discovered you're still mad after your burrito. So it's not the fact that you're hungry, okay? It's not the fact that you're hungry. It's something else going on. And what they tell us is all emotions in life are from one of these four primary emotions. In other words, there's there's an emotion that when that button is pushed, you always go to that level and that experience and you define yourself as such. Now, to this I would add, we were created by God with emotions. Emotions are good. God created you and I with all four of these primary emotions, and they're to serve our betterment. Emotions are like the the warning lights on a dashboard of a vehicle. If the warning light goes off, it's to tell you something needs attention. For example, if it's sad, it's a warning light. If you're sad, it's telling you something in your life needs to be replaced. If, If it's fear... It's telling you something in your life needs to be resisted. That's why you have fear. It's, it's, that, it's that withdrawal. That There's something that you're not to engage in. You're not to do. If it's, if it's anger, it, it's telling you something needs to be removed from your life. See, God gave us emotions to help us live a more healthy and a beneficial life. Unfortunately, we can get stuck. And the control panel in our life, using the elevator analogy, get stuck, and we go to one place all the time. And emotions can confine us and define us. Where God gave you emotions to use to become a better person, we get to the point where we're defined by it. He's an angry person. They're a depressed person. They're always down. And God never intended that those emotions control us, confine us, and define us. Now, interesting enough, I can find all four of these primary emotions in Genesis chapter number 3. And it's the account of Adam and Eve when they took of the forbidden fruit and they sinned against God. I can find all four of those in Genesis chapter 3 in the first several verses of that chapter. In other words, these are emotions God gave us. God wants us to function, but God doesn't want us to be controlled, confined, and defined by them. And I would like to suggest 
that for these negative emotions, the emotions of sadness, fear, and anger, God has given us three spiritual exercises that we don't get stuck, confined, and defined by that, but we can live healthy lives and we can rise above it, that we can use the emotion properly and not let it control us and not let it define us. With that, I suggest that they're found in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, verse number 16, 17, and 18. And I'm going to invite you to join me. I'm going to read these verses. Now, one thing about the Bible, understand, chapter numbers and verse numbers were never put in there by the Holy Spirit. They were put in later as the Bible was organized so that you could find verses in the Bible. So the numbers, the chapter numbers, and the verse numbers are artificial. And sometimes the verse numbers or chapter numbers can can kind of distort or confuse a, a, a running theme and a running concept. What am I saying? Verse number 16, 17, and 18 are one thought. There are three verses, but it's one continuous thought. And God's going to give us three spiritual exercises in these verses, and so much so, I can say of every believer in here, whether you're a new believer in Christ or you've served God for decades, this is God's will for you. In fact, it says in verse number 18, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Everyone in here, you love Jesus, you serve God, you believe the Bible, you believe in the Lord. This is God's will for you. God wants you to exercise these spiritual exercises so you can live an emotionally healthy and happy life. God's a champion of it. God wants his best for you. Now, something else I want you to notice as we read it. Notice after each verse, 16 and 17, there's a comma and not a period. In other words, the conversation of the Holy Spirit continues. So you have to read these verses together. Now, when you study the Bible, you always look at what the Bible says. But you need to also look what the Bible does not say. There's something that's not in these verses, and let me point it out to you. Nowhere in these verses is the word or. He's not saying there's three things, do one of the three things. It's not multiple choice. It's not an or. It's a continuous. You have to do all three. And some of us, we do one or two of them. We're very good at that. We're very effective. We're very adept at it. But guess what? It's the one area you're not. And in that area, emotionally, you're hemorrhaging. Emotionally, you're broken. Emotionally, you're crippled in that area. And it's in that one spiritual exercise that's bringing your life to unhealthiness. And God wants to help you. So let's read together verse 16, 17, and 18. Rejoice always, comma, let's continue. Pray continually. There's a comma. Let's keep reading. Give thanks in all circumstances. And then he tells you, this is God's will uh, for you in Christ Jesus. You love Jesus. This is God's will for us. So with that in mind, I'd like to take those three spiritual exercises and break them down and just do a little bit of teaching on it today. Number one, if we, if we want to rise above these issues, we want to live an emotionally healthy life, it requires rejoicing rejoicing gives us access to God's strength. The Bible tells us in verse number 16, rejoice always, not occasionally, rejoice always. Why should we rejoice? Because rejoicing gives us access 
to God's strength. Remember Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 10? It says, do not grieve. In other words, don't be sad because the joy of the Lord is your strength. God intends that through his joy we gain strength. If you're in a place, you say, I don't have the emotional energy to do it. You're saying, I can't do it. I don't have it within me. I, I, can't, I can't do it anymore. I'm, I'm fed up. I'm about to quit the job. I'm about to walk out. If you're at a moment and you're saying, I just don't have it, what you're lacking is the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is, 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 not, a, is not some kind of false happiness. It's not some kind of a positive mental attitude. The joy of the Lord is your spiritual and emotional adrenaline. Now, happiness comes from circumstances. Happiness relates to pleasure. In other words, if you're seated somewhere and you got a good seat at the concert, you're happy. You get on the freeway tomorrow and there's no traffic. And I mean, normally it's a 30-minute drive and you get there in 15 minutes, you're happy. If they serve your meal fast and it's warm and it's better than it's ever been and you didn't have to ask for extra ice or whatever, you're happy. See, it's all based upon pleasure. But God did not talk to us about being happy based upon circumstances. He talked to us about having the joy of the Lord. And the joy has nothing to do with circumstances or pleasure. In other words, you can have a challenging situation the, the, the everyday vicissitudes of life can be invading you. You can have a coworker who's tough to deal with, a boss that underpays you, a teenager that doesn't appreciate you. You can be dealing with just everyday common life and still have joy because joy is not based upon the surrounding. It comes from the Lord. In other words, joy is not an absence of problem. It's the presence of Jesus. There it is. Joy is not the absence of having heartaches and hassles. It's the presence of Jesus in our life. And it comes from the Lord. God gives it to us. And his joy is our strength. Someone has said, joy is the infallible sign of the presence of God. I like that. Joy is the infallible sign of God's presence in your life. Happiness is based upon what's happening. But joy is based upon what God has done and the fact Jesus is in control of your life. In the book of James, chapter number 1, it opens up with, the, with what we call a salutation. Greetings and blessings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Like nearly every book in the Bible does. Then verse number 2 it continues, and here's what the Bible says, James 1 and 2. Count it all joy. The NIV says, consider it pure joy when you fall into all kinds of trials, headaches, and hassles. Now, pastor, help me figure that one out. To consider it joy when my mother-in-law is coming to stay a month, coming, I mean, help me, Pastor. How can there be joy? In How can there be joy in my coworker who just undermines me? How can there be joy when things are not going? How can there be joy when my transmission is going? How can how can I find joy in in uncomfortable and unpleasurable circumstances? God is teaching us here that joy is not based upon surrounding. He said, consider. The word consider or the word count in James chapter 1, verse number 2, actually means to weigh it, to balance it out, to consider it. Another word you could say is evaluate it. 
Evaluate this. Here's what he's saying. Evaluate, consider it pure joy when you fall into all kinds of trials, tribulations, and problems. Why? Help me understand that, Pastor. How can I figure it out? Here it is. Do you think God put you on planet earth just to make your life miserable? Do you think, you think Jesus died on the cross, gave his life, and God said, here, the, the next 50, 60 years, I'm just going to put as many frustrations. I'm going to make sure all the fire ants in the neighborhood come up in your yard. I'm going to make sure all the barking dogs live next door to you. I'm just going to make sure all the difficult people to work with are in your assigned area of work. No, no. God's purpose is that you and I live a life of abundance. God's purpose is that your light, my light, shine before the world and people see Jesus in us and say, God's in heaven. There's something special about them. So in other words, consider it joy that when trouble comes, you know the trouble doesn't have the last say in your life. The trouble doesn't write the last chapter in your life. The down moment is not going to control you because God is still doing something. You may be going through a hassle and a frustration right now, but God's not finished with you. And when it's all said and done, it's going to be to the praise of his glory. So if you're having a hard time now, understand this. God's not done with you yet. How many remember when you're kids, you got a box of Cracker Jacks? Wasn't that cool to get a box of Cracker Jacks? And what is at the bottom of every box of Cracker Jacks? A surprise. Absolutely. I mean, you're eating the Cracker Jacks, and you know, the more you eat, the more you eat, there's going to be a surprise at the bottom of the box. Yes. Did you ever get Cracker Jack box, and you get in there, and by chance, you got two surprises. There was a mistake made, and there were two surprises. Isn't that great to say to your brother, nah, 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 I got two. Yeah. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. If you're going through a difficult, if you're going through a trial, you're going through a difficult, weigh it out. Consider it. There is a surprise God has for you you just haven't seen yet. There is something God has in store you haven't come to. God's going to do something great in your life. And in the meantime, instead of complaining about it, rejoice always because your surprise has not arrived yet. Here recently, I took my grandkids to go out and eat. And when you take grandkids to go out and eat, you need to go to places they want to go. If you want them to eat, you go to places they want to go. Well, I took my grandkids out to eat, and I asked them, I said, where do you want to go? Pa Papa, we want Mexican food. Oh, great. I mean, they're raised up in the, in the ways of the Lord already. I can see this. I know, I know what their parents are doing a good job with these grand, they want Mexican food. So I'm thinking Mitieras, I'm thinking Las Palapas, I'm thinking Papacitos, where do you want to go? Taco Cabana. <laughs> Taco Cabana. Okay, if that's where grandkids want to go. My grandson, he likes crispy tacos, but one stipulation. The, the shell and the meat only. If there is even a piece of cheese in it, he won't eat it. No, I mean, you can't pick it out. If cheese touches it, he will not eat it. 
I've tried to win that battle. His mother's tried to win that battle. You're not going to win that battle. He will not eat it. No lettuce, no tomato, no hot sauce. Meat and the shell. So we go up to the counter, ordered food for my granddaughter, and I said, I want three crispy tacos, meat only. What do you want? No, meat only. Don't put any cheese. Don't put any lettuce. Don't put any tomato. Don't put anything on it. Three crispy tacos, meat only. So we go to the table. We sit down. My grandson, granddaughter are sitting there. Put the little number on the little metal thing waiting for them to come. And then all of a sudden they bring a tray over. They set it down in front of us. They retrieve the number off of the little holder and put my granddaughter's food out there. And they put the tacos in front of my grandson. I'm talking about sometimes life doesn't go the way you want. You guessed it. There was cheese and lettuce and tomato on those tacos. My grandson's frown, wow. I'm talking about upset. He, I saw his aunt and he just almost, he's, I can tell this is going to go bad. I said, sir, my, we, we ordered it. I showed the receipt without, without uh, cheese, without lettuce and tomato, meat only. I said, could you take that back and bring three tacos that just meat only? He said, sir, once we take the food out, we're not allowed to take any food back into the kitchen. It's a health rule. I said, okay, what do we do? He said, would you like to have the tacos? Here it is. Here's a spiritual lesson. Here's a spiritual lesson. I got tacos for free. Even in a sad situation, even in a sad situation, good can come out. So here's what I'm about to tell you. If your taco comes with cheese, that's all right. There's a free one that's going to come after that that's going to make up for it. Go ahead and rejoice. Go ahead and be happy. Rejoice always. And here's what I want to share with you. God has actually equipped every one of us in here with the ability to rejoice always. God has programmed it within you. You can rejoice. You see, God put something in your brain called the reticular activating system. RAS, reticular activating system. Everyone in here, God created. It's a part of your brain. The reticular activating system in your brain serves as a filter. Information comes and it filters out information because there's a preponderance of information, just a barrage all the time. And your brain has the ability to filter all of that out and latch on to information that is, that is relevant, that is important to you. I'll give you an example. Have you ever noticed when you buy a new car, all of a sudden you're driving down the road, you will notice the same make of car that's the same color as yours? Have you ever noticed that? That car was out there all along. But when you, when you buy that make of car in that color, you say, hey, there's a car just like mine. Why does that happen? It's your reticular activating system. Ladies, have you ever noticed you go out and buy a brand new purse? And if you see anybody carrying that same purse, you say, that's just like my purse. Now, three weeks before you bought the purse, you never noticed that purse. But the moment you buy that purse, you'll notice if somebody's carrying a purse just like yours. 
It's a reticular activating system. It's like a, a, a mother, um, when she for the first time becomes a mother and she has a baby, all of a the sudden there's something innate. The moment, the moment a woman becomes a mother, if she hears a baby cry, she will stop and she knows when a baby is in distress and a baby is upset, not just whining. Her ear will pick that up. Why? It's your reticular activating system. It's why you can go to a busy restaurant and there's music playing and conversation and crowd and you can't already talk to the person next to you, but they come out and say, Orion, party of three, come over. And all of a sudden you hear your name. Why? It's your reticular activating system. God has placed within every one of us something called a reticular activating system. And I believe the New Testament teaches this. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew? A good person out of the good things of his heart will bring forth good things. But an evil person out of the evil things of his heart will bring forth evil things. Here's what it's saying. You have a reticular activating system, and if you'll focus on good, you'll all of a sudden see good. You'll notice good. But if you focus on bad, you'll all of a sudden see more bad things. If you get in a mood, have you ever noticed everything bothers you? Your spouse can't close the refrigerator door right when you're upset. Everything bothers you. But you know what? The moment you wake up and you begin to go through that, then you'll find more things to complain. You arrive at a place in a bad mood and you'll hear all the problems. But here's what I'm saying. The Bible saying that God has equipped you through your reticular activating system. You can rejoice always. In other words, when you're driving to work tomorrow and the traffic is backed up, just say, thank God I have 20 more minutes to see the sunshine in the sky. Thank God there's more to do at work than I can get done in an eight-hour day. I have job security. I have to work an extra 30 minutes over. That shows that I'm valuable. That gives me job security. I go home, and I have a family to go to. I, I, I have a family. There's food on the table. Guess what? My son didn't burn down the school today. God, life is good. God is good. Things are going well. Begin to focus in on the good. Begin to rejoice. And all of a sudden, God has equipped you with a reticular activating system. You'll begin to see things that you never noticed before. Guess what? There are flowers here. Guess what? There's, there's gestures. People waved me in the crowd. They let me pull in the line of traffic. Guess what? There's good out there. People smile. You'll begin to notice things you never noticed before. That's what God is saying. Rejoice always. Because in life, no matter how bad it is right now, your teenager may not be talking to you. Your mother-in-law may have nominated you for blockhead of the year. <laughs> yeah. It may be tough. You may feel underpaid. You may feel underappreciated. But if you'll begin to rejoice, rejoice. Why? Not because of the circumstances. Rejoice. You've been bought by the blood of Jesus. God had a purpose for you. From the time you were born, from the day you were born, the heavenly father high-fived the son and said, that's one of my own. The angels in heaven did a wave. God put your picture on his refrigerator. God sees a purpose in your life. 
God sees there's something that you're going to do. God knows there's purpose in your life. Things may have not gone as good, but rejoice. There's something happening. You may be in a slump, but God's about to bring you a jump. Get ready for God to do something special in your life. You see? You see? Rejoicing. Rejoicing is God's antidote for sadness. That primary emotion. That's why you don't have to get stuck in it. That's why you don't have to be confined and defined by it. Rejoicing is God's antidote for sadness. Yes. Rejoice. Number two, prayer gives us access to God's heart. Verse number 17, pray continually. Prayer gives me access to God's heart. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. But just as rejoicing is God's antidote for sadness, prayer is God's cure for fear. Yeah, that's why we have all those verses in the Bible. When you're afraid, call upon the Lord. That's why Jesus said we ought to always pray and not to faint, not to give up. You see, prayer is God's cure for fear. So if you find yourself, fear of rejection, fear of insomnia, what should you do? Pray because prayer gives you access to God's heart. Number three, gratitude gives us access to God's goodness. Yeah. Every parent and grandparent knows that. The way for your kids to get access to your goodness for you to do more for them is be thankful for what you've already done for them. And the same is true with our Heavenly Father. Gratitude gives us access to God's goodness. Verse number 18, give thanks in all circumstances. It does not say for all circumstances. No, don't, don't thank God that the transmission broke. Don't thank God that uh, your, your job is being downsized. Don't, don't thank God for something. That, don't thank God for a broken toe. But in all circumstances, have an attitude of gratitude. You see, Thanksgiving is not one day on the calendar for Christ followers. Thanksgiving is every day. Ingratitude, ingratitude will destroy relationships and it will erode your walk with God. It's destructive. We can't control what comes our way. We can't control what happens to us. But we can control what gets inside of us. How do we do that? Through gratitude. Gratitude. Your potholes in life, the things that just upset you, the things that jar you, you can have a spirit of gratitude. Now let me share with you some water cooler conversation tomorrow. Can I? Do you know in the 1800s, before paved roads, before asphalt road, before paved road, and the means of transportation was, was by horse and buggy, wagon, and there were no paved road, there were no shock absorbers. That was a pretty rough road, pretty rough traveling. And you're on a, on a wagon, a horse and buggy, and you hit a pothole. I mean, it will jostle you. you it, it, it'll, give you a, it'll give you a jolt. But do you know, 
the 1800s, they didn't call them potholes. Do you know what they called an indention in the road when the wagon wheel would hit it? They called it a thank you, madam. Yeah, a thank you, madam. Because if you're riding by horse and buggy and all of a sudden you hit a pothole, it would do this to you. And it was the same gesture of chivalry. If a man passed a woman, he would tip his hat and he would nod his head. So they called the potholes a thank you, madam. Hmm. Now, if you're on Jeopardy and that question comes up <laughs> and you win $10,000 because I gave you the answer, you owe me a cheeseburger, okay? <laughs> what I'm saying is they chose to not call it a pothole. They called it a thank you. I want to encourage you, take your potholes. Take the things that seem unpleasant and if you'll add gratitude to it, if you will just be thankful for it, if you will take a gratitude spirit, a thankful spirit to it, gratitude, it will open up something in your life. It gives you access to God's goodness. It, it will change. It will activate your reticular activating system. It, it will eliminate the distress, the problems. Well, you see, gratitude, gratitude is God's cure for anger. Yeah. Rejoicing is God's antidote for sadness. Prayer is God's cure for fear. And gratitude is God's cure for anger. So all of those three primary negative emotions, God has a spiritual exercise so the next time an experience or a person pushes the elevator button and you want to go to one place, anger, sadness, or fear all the time, I'm here to tell you, you can live different. You don't have to get stuck in that. That doesn't have to confine you or define you. You see, gratitude, it assigns new meaning to an experience. The reason you're angry, you say, every time I think about it, it makes me mad. Unless you assign new meaning to it. And that's what gratitude does. Gratitude frees you from the anger. Gratitude frees you from the hostility and the rage because you assign new meaning. I'm going to share with you an experience. In all our years of ministry, I have never shared this I haven't shared it publicly until this moment. And we have really not shared it privately. I'm going to take you back several years ago. Denise and I are just going into ministry. One of our first ministry assignments, one of our early ministry assignments, we were on staff at a church. And I'll just, I'll just tell you, that was one of the most painful, grueling experiences we ever had. The time we spent there was the most miserable, torturous time we had in ministry. Of all the things that have happened to us through the years, if you were to list the 
number one or number two top painful experiences, we'd have to list that situation as one of those. We worked for a pastor and his wife, and it was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You never knew who was going to show up. You'd be told to do something one day and reprimanded severely the next day for doing what you were told the day before, and you're saying, okay, did I get this wrong? And I'll just be honest with you. The pastor's wife was so mean. She was so mean to Denise, insulted, demeaned Denise, and it was, it was just grueling. We said, should we leave? Should, what, what, what should we do? We, we were trying to figure this, we were trying to figure this out. I remember the times we get up on Sunday and Denise said, do we have to go to church today? And she, it was rhetorical. She was not, not wanting to go. It was expressing the pain and the conflict that we were dealing with all the time. The drive home from work, some, from church sometimes would just be tears and Denise is upset. And, this is how we were treated. This is what I was told. This is what I was reprimanded today. And we just went through this. And it, it, was, it was the toughest, the most painful experiences in our entire ministry. I never talked about it. Never shared it. People would ask us later on about being staff there and working there. And here's what we have said. Well, we, we used to tell them, we thank God we were there. Now, Pastor, help me understand that. The most painful experience you ever had and you would tell people you thank God how could you have gratitude for serving in a place that you felt unjustly treated and you felt abused because our time there was a seminar on how we would treat staff we walked away from there. Denise and I had conversations. If God ever allows us to pastor a church and we ever have any staff in our church, we will honor them, we will love them, we will affirm them, we will pastor them, we'll treat them like our family. We will never do to them what was done to us and it's for that reason next week I'm going to say give an offering not to us give it to my staff I learned that and the toughest most grueling experience of ministry I was grateful for it because I became a better leader and a better pastor yes I didn't thank God for it but we were grateful in it what God did for us. What I'm saying, what I'm saying, the thing that makes you angry, the thing that's pushing your button, the thing that wounds you, the thing that, that just sometimes drives you to the top, if you'll be grateful, if you can find a way in that to be grateful, God can heal you. In fact, would you allow me for a moment to respell gratefulness? Can I do it? Gratefulness leads to great fullness. Gratefulness leads to great fullness.
and it's God's cure for anger. So with that in mind, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads for a word of prayer. Across this auditorium. Holy Spirit, just come into this moment. You see, I believe in the course of this message, the Holy Spirit has identified emotions and experiences that have confined and defined you. Some have had betrayal. Some have had injustice. Maybe divorcee that somebody that you love has painfully abused you, scarred your heart, has called anger, Have you been so hurt you're afraid to ever get close to somebody again, get close to church again, hurt in church or hurt by a spouse? You say, I'll never, never get married again. Fear, fear, or sadness. You find yourself closing the curtains and withdrawing and wanting to be by yourself all the time. It's called depression. God never intended that those emotions confined and define you. He's given us three spiritual exercises and God wants to heal you today. Yes, God wants to heal you. He wants to lift that off your heart. He wants to take that pain. He doesn't want that, he doesn't want that negative emotion pushing the button and taking you to one floor all the time. He has something else for you. I invite you right now. Ask the Lord to take it away. Ask the Lord to take that memory away. Ask the Lord to take that impression, that pain, that experience. Shake off that anger. Find something to be grateful for. Don't rehearse that anymore. Please get rid of all the cliches you have when that person's name is mentioned, all of those sound bots, all of those, all of those crude comments, you mean all those, all those statements of me. Please get rid of that. Let's leave them here today. The Holy Spirit wants to take that. He wants to withdraw that out of your spirit, out of your heart. The offense. Yes, he's going to do that. Holy Spirit, right now. In this audience. identified some who are sad some who are afraid fearful some who are angry and those emotions have had just washed over them time and time again just eroded away their joy Holy Spirit right now do what only you can do heal their mind heal heal their emotions heal their wounded spirit take that out of them and allow your people to rejoice again allow your people through gratitude to push the anger out of their life and rediscover the light in the life that you have for them Return the song to their heart. 
return the song to their spirit. Oh God, in the name of Jesus right now, we just surrender the experience. We can't change it, but we certainly don't need to be confined by it anymore. And we just give it to the Lord. Take it away. We cast our care upon the Lord. And I know, Lord, as we walk out with a song on our lips, we walk out with gratitude, our reticular activity and that thing that you put inside of us at creation, we're going to begin to see things that we never saw and experience, things to be grateful for and to celebrate we never realized before. I pray that, God, and I speak that upon your people. I bless them. I bless their workplace. There are people whose their workplace is, is not congenial. It's not the most positive. And some are thinking about looking for another job and what they need, God, is they need a, they need a, the joy of the Lord right now. They need to rise above that. They don't have to be involved in the, the office politics and the office conflict. Give them joy. I pray that. Pray that over the divorcee. Oh, God, divorcee carries so much condemnation. Free him from that. Free him from that condemnation. Oh, God, call them out of the cave. That, that cave of rejection, that, that cave of anger. Call them out of that. Back into the glorious light of your grace and your restoration. I bless your people. Thank you for being with us. God bless you. Go in the love of the Lord.